Here's a quick word from our football educational partners over at the Scouting Academy. Listen, we've said it all the time. If you love the analysis and you're passionate about football, then you really need to check out the Scouting Academy. Whether you're a football coach, aspiring writer, or even aspiring football agent, the Scouting Academy is really a perfect place for you to learn and develop your skills as an analyst. With curriculum that spans over 375 years of coaching and personnel experience, the Scouting Academy offers you a 16-week online course that you can tailor and build to meet your needs and your interests. Whether you're learning about wide receivers or defensive linemen, you can make the experience what you want it to be. Listen, I've said it to you on this podcast many times. I've spent my own money, my own time, and time away from my friends and family because I am just this passionate about this game. And the Scouting Academy is the place where I really feel like I've learned the most I've ever learned about the game of football. It's made me a better analyst. It's made me a better person in terms of the coaching I do on the field. I can't say enough great things about it. If you have any questions about the Scouting Academy, please don't hesitate to reach out to Dan Hatman on Twitter or reach out to the Scouting Academy online via email. I'm open to all questions as well. Heck, I'm still even a student there myself. Please don't hesitate to reach out. I really think that once you learn all the tools and gain the knowledge that they have to offer, I really think you're going to be absolutely excited about the game of football again. This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and joining me this evening, privileged to make a reappearance on the podcast, is Mr. Eric Coleman. Eric, welcome back to the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to be back. It feels good. I've been on the podcast circuit a little bit, been doing some scouting. It feels feels good to be back in the world, Paul. And man, you've been killing it lately. Um, I mean, between your Twitter feed, I mean, your Twitter feed was like a better update than anybody's I've seen before. It's all you had to do during the combine is just just watch Paul's Twitter feed. It was amazing. And then the recap pods have just been been outstanding. So you uh, you and uh, uh, to a lesser extent, Matt have been killing it lately. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate it. This is obviously such a great time. And this is the basically final recap of the NFL Combine. You know, Eric just mentioned I was putting out those instant reaction pods, those very, you know, 18 to like 28 minute pods, you know, with my instant reactions. You know, the previous episode, I kind of wrapped up the offensive side of the ball with a little bit of a fantasy spin, you know, an NFL draft projection. And I said, you know, let me wrap up the defense. Let me bring on Eric. We were talking a lot, you know, during the combine on Twitter. And this will be a perfect way to kind of dig a little bit deeper into this defensive class because it really is a very talented class. So let's not even waste time. Let's jump right in to recapping it. We'll start out with the big boys. You know, they were the first guys to, you know, run the 40s, do the drills. So let's just start right there with the defensive, you know, defensive line guys. You know, is there a couple guys that performed, you know, you know, either held firm or really surprised you in their performances into either the athletic testing or on field drills? 
Yeah, I mean, you hit it in the reaction that Quinn and Williams actually absolutely killed it. And I'm almost of the opinion now is he could probably do almost any position in a 4-3. Um, I think you could even have him on the end if you ran it over under on the, the side that's kicked in a little bit. I He is just so incredible. The film's great. And then he just uh, he, he didn't check the boxes. He obliterated the boxes. So I, I don't know if there's a lot more to say there. Um, I'm going to give you a hard time about your instant reaction on a few guys. Um, so you talked about Ed Oliver and I think Ed Oliver, he, he, while he didn't do run, while he didn't run, I think he did destroy the combine. Um, his jumps were obscene for a 287 pound guy. I mean, he, he out jumped Aaron Donald at the same weight. I mean, with a 36 inch vert and 120 inch broad and the 32 bench reps, I, I think he did everything we asked of him. My biggest concern was hit with him was, was he going to get washed out? Because I was concerned about his anchor a little bit. Um, but I think he checked the box that he has enough athleticism to be that you know elite penetrator. And I think he shows that he has the weight and the strength to, to hold enough of an anchor to be a three-tech in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, Oliver's such an intriguing player because, like, he was a guy that when the season started, the college football season, like, he was, like, penciled in as that top three, top five lock pick and you know as the year went on you know his production was so so then there was that incident ridiculously on the sidelines and then people started wanting to nitpick him and talking about the weight and then you know there was that linebacker talk and you know and what was he gonna weigh like you know you mentioned that you know you're intrigued by him playing for tech do you think he you know fits one scheme more than another because I feel like you hear that a little bit and I think some people have kind of ran with that narrative you know if if it was a team and these teams are so multi-scheme now so I think that's probably the appropriate answer that teams would just figure it out but if a team was more of a true three four style is there a place for Oliver in that or is it not really maybe maximizing his skill set if you're asking him to maybe, you know, play in that type of base front defense? Um, I mean, a, a true traditional three, four, maybe more like Pittsburgh runs around that, that fire blitz scheme. Then, then I, yeah, I'd struggle to see where he fits in, but a lot of three, fours, they run over or under, which kind of gives you some people in the middle or one gapping. So as long as he is, Somewhere between the five techs and he's one gapping, I don't think you can do it wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense because I know obviously in New York, there's, there's been some talk about if the Giants don't take a quarterback, that he'd be an intriguing piece to add to the defense. James Betcher likes versatility. You know, obviously last year they started, they finally moved away from that, you know, old school, you know, very traditional like four three defense. They did more three four looks, but they do a lot of different schemes and looks there. So Oliver would be a guy that they don't really have that penetrating, you know, a defensive tackle to get into the backfield. I know you mentioned. Quentin Williams do you remember a player that he even remotely resembles you know like I feel like he's such a unique player like like I I don't see Aaron Donald I I see bigger like you know like type of player to me he's such a hard person to you know to kind of put a comp on on a guy that he kind of resembles is there any NFL player or any prospect over the last like five, six years that, that even you say like, yeah, I can see a little bit of this guy in him or is he just like his own unique, you know, unicorn almost himself. I, I think he is a unicorn, I guess. I mean, I hate comps and he's wicked hard to comp, but 
maybe like DeForest Buckner, but a little more interior focused DeForest Buckner. I, mm-hmm. Maybe that's where I'd go with it. Similar sizes, both massive, both very athletic for their big size. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he just he just looks super, super impressive out there. Like, you know, like more than even I think anybody expected. So any other defensive tackles, you know, whether it's some of the bigger guys, if it was a guy maybe flying under the radar. I know one guy who looked really fluid in the drills was Tristan Hill out of Central Florida. There was a lot of talk that, you know, for at Central Florida in terms of his athleticism and his drills, he was technically not a starter. I, I don't know if there's like a lot to make out of that, but if you take that out of it, like is Tristan Hill a guy you, you came away impressed with at the combine or have you watched some film on him and have any thoughts on him? Um, so I've only watched a little bit on him. I mean, you, you it's hard to not be impressed with his combine, but uh, yeah, it's good athletic numbers. He, for me, he's one of those guys that it's like, okay, time to go back to the tape kind of deal. Um, two, I guess two guys that I'll bring up that, that you talked about, or at least one of them is Draymond Jones. And for me, this Draymond Jones, I, let me kind of rewind this for a second. So some people are like, well, how much do you count the combine? Is it 10%? Is it 20%? And it's none of those things for me. It's, it's how does it apply to how you win? And, you know, I've seen Draymond play in person a few times, you know, he wins with first step with speed, with explosiveness, trying to get in that gap. Uh, my big concerns with Draymond was that he got washed out a ton on the line, that he could not hold that anchor. And then this combine kind of just throws it all away in the fact that he's, he, you know, his calling card's athleticism, but he's not athletic. And he's bigger than I expect, and he still couldn't hold the point of attack. So for me, the, you know, the, the combine here is huge because I don't think Draymond, you know, translates to the NFL level. I don't. Uh, we saw some interesting things on film, but it, it really, really scares me. And uh, I'll hit Dexter Lawrence, and then I'll, I'll let you kind of hit on the, those two guys. I think Dexter Lawrence had an outstanding combine that a lot of people aren't talking about. Um, for someone his size and moving like he does, uh, I, I'm just really impressed because it's, you know, you don't get zero techs that are really that athletic. Um, so I think he's going to have a, a big place in the NFL and he's going to be a zero tech that not only can soak blocks, but he's going to push the interior of that line in and really give quarterbacks less space to work with. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to work backwards there. Dexter Lawrence was a guy who I was, you know, a little disappointed. He obviously, you know, got injured himself on the 40, so couldn't complete the rest of, you know, the on-field drills. And I was excited for him because, like, he was a little bit, like, out of sight, out of mind. And I think people were forgetting just, like, how talented, you know, and how rare of an athletic player he was, you know, like you said, from the interior there of a defensive line. And, you know, because of the, the suspension stuff and, and people were forgetting it. And then he runs that 40 and you're like, wow. And then like, you're like, he's going to put on a show today. I can't wait to see him, you know, go through the drills and everything. So it was unfortunate. But I think, you know, I think he is squarely in the round one. He's going round one. And then on the flip side, you know, Draymond Jones was so such a interesting thing. I was a little bit late to watch much of Draymond Jones. And I watched him and like, I was like, okay, like, I was like, you know, defensive, you know, film analysis, not really, you know, my thing that I spend a lot of time on, you know, maybe I'm missing some stuff because everything I'm hearing and everything I'm reading is, is talking about that this guy is like, you know, 
interior disruptor. You know, he's a little undersized, but that's not going to matter. He's super athletic. And I'm thinking, okay, like I'm waiting for a show to be put on at the combine. And then, you know, his 40 was well higher than I expected. You know, and then I remember when I did the instant reaction pod, I hadn't even had all of his additional testing you know and then i remember going a little bit later on and like looking at his like spider web on mock draftable and i was like this is a guy who's supposed to be like his calling card supposed to be like you said that athleticism and it just wasn't you know it just wasn't evident there so i have a hard time thinking draymond jones is the first round pick right now so you know i would think he's now in the day two mix instead of the the round one mix so i think i i I think he's day three now i mean to be honest i mean that's that's how much he's fallen off for me and i don't put that much stock in the combine always but i where it matches up here really concerns me yeah and i wouldn't be surprised if you're right on that like you know because i i think nfl teams got to see the same thing too we're talking about a guy who you know was getting that round one hype but if he had the athleticism to be that unique upfield penetrating three tech, if he's going to be undersized, but doesn't have athleticism, well then what are you really getting? And I think that's what you were alluding to perfectly. So any other, any other big guys, any other defensive tackles that stood out? We talked about a couple of them. Maybe it was someone that, you know, didn't even partake in the combine because he was, you know, like he was injured or any other defensive tackles that you want to make note of. Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you two, and one we'll kind of use as a segue. I think um, so. First is Jerry Tillery. I think Jerry Tillery had an outstanding combine. I, I have not watched a ton of him. I mean, I saw someone good on tape. Um, you know, reasonable burst, reasonable hand usage. He only had a couple moves, but he could really dispense people one on one pretty well. Um, and now with this athletic testing, it really sends me back to the tape being 6'6 and weighing 295 and really doing a 32-inch vert, you know, sub five-second, 40, uh, almost 115-inch broad jump. I mean, very, very athletic for a man that size. Uh, Our friends over at Mock Draftable, his closest comps are Malik McDowell, Carl Nassib, and Cameron Hayward. I mean, that's that tells me enough that I need to go watch more film. So I think he's a big riser from the combine. And then another guy that maybe just changed camps for me was Charles Amenehu. I didn't know whether to put him inside or outside. I think he weighed in and was measured big enough. And his explosiveness, he looks more like an interior defensive lineman to me or or maybe a five tech. Um, but he's somebody that I'm, I'm more evaluating in that realm now. So where, where are you with those guys? Yeah, I mean, I think Tillery right there, and it's interesting, you, you you brought up some of the comps there for Tillery, and I think it does speak that, do you believe when you've seen Tillery, do you think that's his best position would be to be a 5-tech in, in that 3-4, or do you think he can be a more traditional defensive tackle, even in a 4-3, sub-packages, nickel, you know, all different stuff like that? Because some of those comps that you were just talking about, you know, to me, kind of sounded like, you know, he was more fitting the profile of that five tech. And that's what I thought I saw when I watched him that I thought that would be his best position. But I did say in my notes that I thought he can play inside in, in, in a four three and especially get some pass rush from there as well. Is that, do you think that's Tillery's best spot? If we were going to try to say, where would he be, where would be his most ideal location? Yeah. I like him in that five tech spot. I thought the Cameron Hayward was a, it was a neat comp that comes up. Um, Uh, Yeah, but I think he could play a three, he could play a five tech and a three, four, he could even play a five tech in a four, three under or over. So I think, and and that's why I brought up a is I see a in the kind of the same, the same vein. Is that where, did you get a different take on a based on this combine? 
Yeah, I mean, I thought that, you know, I thought he was a guy who I know he ran with the technically the defensive end edge group, but I thought he, you know, in my notes, I had written down that he was more of a D-line guy. Like, I didn't see a scenario where he was going to be a guy that I thought stood up as like a three, four outside backer. So I, I think Amenu belongs in in that group that we're talking about, like Tillery. I think there's a little bit of a... a a multiple round distinction between them. I can see Tillery going in round one. I think a menu may be more of like a round three, you know, on that cusp, like round three, round four. And I think Tillery is more of like a round one, round two guy. So I think there's some talent distinction between those two, but I think stylistically positional, you know, what they provide. I think there, I see them in similar lights. Uh, I just think there's a little bit of a talent gap. But that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I, I think those are the big hitters, and I mean, we could dig in here, but we're going to be here all night, and I know we want to get to edges. So, do you want to transition us over there? Sure. So, so let's go to edges, and let's you know, let's start right at the top. Obviously, in consideration to be the first pick in the NFL draft, if the Arizona Cardinals do not draft Kyler Murray, and if that's the case, then San Francisco probably runs the cards at a podium pretty quickly, uh, and that would be Nick Bosa, you know, out of Ohio State. Were you kind? Was it more of checking boxes for Nick Bosa? You know, like it, it kind of like you know when I remember thinking back to you know the instant reaction pod. I don't know if I gave him as much credit as I think I should have when I saw his complete picture. I mean, his change of direction drills were outstanding, you know, so by, by the time he finished all of his athletic testing and all his athletic drills, he put together a very, you know, very good athletic profile. Was it just kind of checking boxes for you or did anything stand out with Nick Bosa from the combine, you know, more better than you expected or maybe left a little bit wanting more in a certain area? I think he did what we expected. I mean, it's hilarious too. On mock draftable, his like third most closest comp is Joey Bosa. I mean, they tested <laughs> really, really freaking close. The only real difference is I think Nick was a hair more explosive and Joey was a, did a little bit better in the agility drills. But so I, I think we saw exactly what we needed to. I've watched way too much Nick Bosa and he just wears out tackles. I've never seen somebody win as many reps at the college level as he wins one V one on the edge. So uh, yeah, I, I think he's still pretty solidly the number one uh, edge up there, but uh, my dude, Brian Burns is, is, is trying to make an argument. That's for sure. Absolutely. And we'll, and we will pivot to Burns in one second. One thing about Nick Bosa, because I, I, my guess is you probably have seen more individual film on Nick Bosa than myself. Is there a place that you, you know, again, let's take teams out of it because, you know, it could be the Cardinals, it could be the 49ers, you know, maybe it's the Jets or whoever. Is there a position that you think, you know, when I watch him play and it's kind of like his brother as well, like I don't see a guy that I want to ever be dropping into coverage, which is sometimes what those three, four edge guys have to do at times. Like, are you concerned that like he should be more of like a traditional four three defensive end, and that some of his greatness maybe could be mitigated a little bit if he's asked to be more in that three four scheme that where he maybe has to play in space a little bit at times, or you just think he's good enough that he'll figure it out? I well, I think he's good enough. He's going to figure it out. But even if he's for some reason called a linebacker. Um, remember Khalil back was a linebacker technically for such a long time. And I, there's very few times that we ever saw him drop into coverage. 
Um, and technically the chargers, when Joey Bosa went there, were a three, four unit, I believe. Yeah. Um, they just ran it over or under and he lined up like a more traditional six or seven tech and they knew how to use him. Uh, I expect uh, Nick Bosa to really end up lining up anywhere from six, seven, eight tech, you know, somewhere in that realm and, and doing what he's, you know, does best is holding the edge and, and getting around the edge. And I, it'd be hard to screw it up. Yeah. And, and listen, these guys are so close to each other. I, I this might be an impossible question to answer. Is there one of the brothers that you would say going into the NFL that you liked a little bit more? Like, is it, is it, listen, their athletic testing was almost identical. Is it like, is it impossible to even say I like this brother more than the other one? I, I thought Nick would test a little bit better, um, but it's so damn close. It's really hard to say that. So I, I think they're even right now, which is a heck of a statement to say. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Two brothers within this many, with this close apart, you know, like, listen, I, I mean, I guess we've had the Manning brothers. So, I mean, it's not the first time that this has happened, but I mean, it is remarkable nonetheless that, you know, within a few years, two of these guys, you know, at the top of the draft, you know, very much similar style players in terms of how good they could be at the next level. So let's transition this over to Brian Burns. You know, right at the right at the top, like I think the first thing that he checked off at the combine was his weight, right? You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but that seemed to be, you know, I'm I was a little bit late to the party on on looking at some of these defensive guys, but that was an area that I think some people had, you know, grave concerns about, right? That, you know, that was maybe why he wasn't being talked about as much as he should have been as some of these other guys, because people were a little worried that he was gonna like come in at like two twenty eight or two thirty. Is that is that correct? Yeah, everyone was really worried about it. And I actually found it weird. I mean, and 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 people that listen to this pod or I mean, it, it was only a week or two ago when we couldn't separate Josh Allen, Brian Burns, and Ja'Kai Polite. They were all in this jumble together. And I actually thought, even though Brian Burns was probably lighter of the three, that he held the point of attack better than any of them. Because just his hand usage, his length that he has, I, I feel like that technique helped him more. Um, I think that opinion might have been a little a little lower, but I think this weight solidifies that he can he can play a legit defensive end position. And you know, one thing about Burns is, do you think now a with that weight that he put on, do you think it's weight that he can keep on? Yeah, obviously, it didn't impact the weight that he had. It didn't impact his athletic testing or how good he looked in the drills. But do you think he is someone who's capable? of being an every down defensive end in a four three team, or would his run defense potentially be an area, you know, that could hinder him and hinder a defense? Or do you think he could be more of like, I think I mentioned on the instant reaction pod, like, could he be that like speedy edge defensive end a little bit undersized, like a Robert Mathis who used to just, you know, be great at getting around, you know, in that, you know, on the turf there in Indianapolis and play a four three, even though maybe Robert Mathis's best position in his career would have been more of a traditional like stand up three four, you know, edge rusher. Do you think Burns could play that position or would his run support and run defense potentially, you know, be a hindrance to defense? I, I think I think his run support's probably passable at the NFL level. I'll put it there. So if that's what you need him to do, you can do that. But you know, the you know, let him pin his ear back, put him at a nine tech, and let him let him get after it. It's probably the best way. He has extraordinary bend. He has some of the best counters in in this class. I think. Um, I don't know if you heard the the draft network had him on for an interview, and it was just outstanding. He's such a heady player. Um, they asked him what his favorite pass rush move was, and he actually broke it down. He said, well, 
my 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 favorite pass rush move is this, but my my most effective pass rush move is is this. And he broke down the the plan that he has and how he always has a counter in his back pocket and how he goes to it. I mean, uh, that that smart of an individual with this athleticism, he, he I, I think he's going to be special. And you wonder, you wonder if you know. I'm someone who follows Florida State very closely. You wonder if his appeal and his, you know, you know how excited people were about him. You wonder if it took a little bit of a hit of just how poor Florida State has been in the last couple <laughs> of years. You know, like I mean, it has been really bad for a team that, like, you know, for a program that was historically, you know, one of the great programs in college football over the last 20 years or so, or 30 years, you know, like if, if all of a sudden they were that team, you, you would be seeing Florida state in these big games and you might've seen him at a different light. But I mean, Florida state has basically just been like, you know, they haven't been must watch TV for a couple of years now. And I think, you know, if they were, if they were the team that we had grown so accustomed to, you know, I think maybe more people would have been aware of Brian Burns because he would have been like, the leader of that defense. And for so long, their defense was always like their calling card and he would have been one of the main guys there. I think he might've been generating a little bit more buzz. So it could be that, you know, he was not generating it was just because of how down Florida state was. So you mentioned them. So let's just talk about them and get them out of the way. Uh, Ja'Kai polite, horrific 40 time pulls out after that a lot of reports that he faked his injury. I, I again, I don't want to sit here and say that he def- definitely did, you know, but there's a, there's enough noise out there. So let, let's just take out that. Let, let's just take out that. Let's take out the horrific stuff that's came out from the combine about how bad his interviews went and stuff like that. You obviously have watched him on film on film. What do you think about the player and are you dramatically altering your stance on him off of that 140 time that may or may not have been injury related? So, okay, on film, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to put these guys because I actually had Burns, Allen, and Polite all in the same jumble before the combine. I thought Polite was actually going to have the best raw numbers at possibly the lowest weight. That was my guess from what I was seeing. Um, he doesn't have the counters that, that Burns has, but man, he gets around the edge. Like I thought he was the fastest in this edge class. Um, he can get like just stymied by tackles, but then other times he'll throw that little ice pick out and just, just speed to power, just impressive. Um, so I, I expected a lot better from Ja'Kai Polite. And my first reaction when he ran that 40 was, oh gosh, this is Tim Williams. This is a speed linebacker or a speed edge that's not speedy. And I go back and you know how we all freaked out about Tim Williams, but Tim Williams still ran a four, six, eight and he had a 33 inch vert. I mean, it, I mean, it was bad, but it wasn't horrendous. Um, I mean, polite's worse. I mean, it's a 32 inch vert at a, and a four, eight. Um, and then all the head case stuff. I hate to knock him down for that, but he's, he's definitely not in the first round for me. He's second round and, and I don't know, he could be lower. He scares me. Yeah, and, and you got to imagine he's probably off a lot of teams' boards right now. So then, you know, so then you're just like, okay, he might be second round, but he's probably been chopped off like half teams, half the teams' boards at least as a top 100 guy, you know. And then, you know, who knows? And it, it's those guys got to be. It's got to be so hard to, you know, 
you know, I know you love digging in the film just like I do on the offensive side of the ball. And it's like you see this on film and then you, you get to the combine and, you know, and then you see something like that. And it's like, man, like I, I really thought when I was watching him that he had that explosive first step and that speed. And it's amazing sometimes how the athletic testing doesn't match up for sometimes it's either way, like no one saw on the offensive side, Miles Boykin doing what he did. You know, so it, it happens both ways sometimes, good or bad, but it is fascinating sometimes, you know, when we see, you know, that happen. And I think for plate, it's going to be interesting to see if he does everything at a pro day, what the results are, you know, and then see if he can kind of swell this negative momentum right now and see if he can at least kind of, you know, calm that a little bit to maybe at least still be in consideration for day two. And I think that's now the question, like, could he at least weather the storm and be considered in day two? I think is probably the best he can do right now. So if polite is one guy going the other way, I know we talked about him a little bit on Twitter back and forth a little bit. There probably wasn't more of a winner in terms of checking boxes and impressing in terms of the drills and stuff from the edge group than Montez Sweat at a Mississippi State. So thoughts on him? I know in some communicating with you on Twitter, you were a little bit maybe surprised if I if I remember correctly in terms of his change of direction drills. Were you maybe a little bit concerned that he was going to show some more stiffness there, and that was an area that surprised you? Yeah, completely. I mean, his whole combine surprised me. I mean, I we knew there's somebody relatively fast that that using the silly scouting term could you know convert speed to power, and we saw that in the Senior Bowl where he was or was that the Senior Bowl? Yep. Yeah, he was like blowing over people. Um, so yeah, I mean, I didn't see this coming. Um, and yeah, seven second three cone at two sixty—that's that's pretty dang good. Um, but I did not see bend on the field. I did not see somebody that got around the edge like that. So um, yeah, he's a riser. I just don't know because I didn't see this on film. So I, I don't know where to put him now. I mean, I guess he's solidly in the first round, but could you really put him above Josh Allen? He's not going to go you know, he can't go above Brian Burns for me because Brian Burns had an outstanding combine. And I think he was better on film and has better technique. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I, I I prefer Burns as well. If the Giants, again, I'm misusing them because they're sitting there right there at six, which is one of those spots where if they don't go quarterback, they're going to be looking, I think, at an edge guy. So I could, it's easy for me to kind of use them here as like a pivot. Like I'd prefer Burns. I have a feeling that they would probably go sweat just from what it what it sounds like Gettleman ridiculous philosophy is you know like and <laughs> Lance Zerline who is one of those guys that when he says certain things you know like I do think he has got some plugged in connections and he said something a day after the combine ended or maybe the day after sweat ran that somebody said somebody asked him a question and he said something along the lines, if you're doing, if you're someone that does mock drafts and you don't have them in your top 10, start your, throw it out and start your mock again. And like, it was like, like wow. he, it was like one of those things that he was basically saying, like not a potentially top 10 pick. Like he was now saying like, whatever he was hearing sounded like he's like definitively in there, which is crazy. Like, cause I thought he was more of a guy that I watched him the senior bowl. I was like, okay. This guy definitely could be in that 20 to 32 mix, I thought, in the back end of round one, but it was a deep edge group. At that time, Polite was ahead of him on most people's boards, you know, and, and now it's like, okay, like, 
top 10, like that's, you know, you start thinking like, okay, two or three quarterbacks are probably going to go in the top 10. And then you got Williams and Bosa and Allen and you're already at six guys. And it's like, okay, he's going to be one of those guys in there. Like, does that mean he might actually go over Brian Burns? Like, I don't believe that should happen, but clearly there's people thinking that it could because, you know, you have Burns, you have, you know, Montez Sweat, you have the linebackers, which we'll get to later. And then you have the next guy that I'm going to use this kind of as a pivot to is Rashawn Gary. What do you make of Rashawn Gary? What position, what position should he play in the NFL? Is he really a guy that just didn't put up good production, but we're to believe that he's going to be a really good to great NFL player and warrants a top 10 or top 12 pick? Because it sounds like he's in that mix too. And I'm not even sure what his perfect position is. Can you help clear some light for me on Rashawn Gary and, and what you what to make of him? I'm not going to be able to say anything amazing about Rashawn Gary. <laughs> I don't. I didn't know what to do with him. I thought he was a little more of an edge than an inside guy. Um, I've seen lots of scoutish type people say inside people that transition to outside in the NFL do really well because they have better hand usage and they've learned things like that. Um, that may be sh- that may be true with Gary. I mean. I think Gary's probably going to do better as, as a defensive end and, you know, the common term and then kick inside on NASCAR front or whatever you want to say that, that type of, that type of uh, really pass rusher, if you will. I mean, his, his combine was also just nuts. His closest comp physically is Bradley Chubb, which is, is pretty mind blowing. Um, Yeah. They, both of those guys had crazy, they're going to get drafted in the first round. I just don't know. Is it all going to translate? Not a clue, man. How like it, it just blows my mind. Like, how could you be that ridiculously physically athletic and not dominate? Like, I feel like we've been hearing about Gary way longer than even Sweat. And like, you know, Gary was like this massive, like I think one of the top recruits in the entire country. Like, you know, top three or top five. I remember hearing his name for years, and it's just like, how do you not dominate on a regular basis if you're able to? to do those type of things with, you know, athletically with that size and frame, it, 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 sometimes it baffles me. And he's a guy that's like, you know, NFL teams drool over what they think these guys can become, but he played at Michigan for what, three years. And it's like, okay, why were you not dominating? And it's, it, it's, you know, it, it's tough sometimes, you know, to, to yeah. try to, to try to, to know, like, you know, listen, sometimes it's obvious a guy's put, you know, like, you know, Calvin Johnson or Julio Jones didn't put up the massive collegiate statistics because it was part of like the offense, but you soared their individual greatness. It was just opportunity, like target, you know, the amount of targets they soar. But like on the defensive side, guys, it's like, it's hard. It's like, you know, was he, I wouldn't say he was playing out of position because I think he can play a you know, variety of positions. So it's interesting to try to, you know, what to make of him for that lack of production. Couple yeah, other, just, to, yeah. Wait, just to clear, just to drive it home. He was the number one player in his recruiting class, and his actually twenty four seven sports composite. I I actually have never seen this before. Is a one point I've actually never seen a a one score. Wow. I mean, you you couldn't have been a bigger you know recruit than he was. Wow, I mean that is the elite of the elite. You know, in terms of high school prospects, you know, going into the the college. So. If he doesn't have the production, one guy who did have the production, and I'm interested to kind of hear your take on him, is Cleland Farrell out of Clemson. Is he a guy, again, not the 
athletic freak or even remotely in the same athletic stratosphere of a Rashawn Gary, you know, a Montez Sweat. Like, what what do you take on Farrell? Because he's much more of great production, good technique, great run, you know, run and edge setter. What's your make on him? I, I think he is a super safe, traditional defensive end pick. He he put it on film. He knows how to stack and shed. He can get around. He has some nice hand control. He, you know, he checked the boxes at the combine. You know, he's he's six four and change. He's two sixty. He's got big hands. He's got had a reasonable three cone. Um, you know, nice on the bench. I, I think you know. I, I don't want to equate it to Bosa, but he did like we expected. I would say, um, even though he didn't run the forty, I think I think he kind of he was what we expected. I think he's a mid to late first round, a very safe defensive end pick. Yeah, I mean, I think that's literally those are the perfect words to describe him. Like you kind of know what you're getting and he's going to be a guy who probably settles in in like that seven to nine sack range. You know, maybe he occasionally gets 10, but like I don't think he's a guy who's going to, you know, be an elite sack guy like 15 or ever like that. I think he's a really rock solid plug and play defensive end. Any other edge guys that you wanted to hit on real quick? The one guy I, I kind of wanted to hear your real quick take on was, were you as surprised as me? And, and again, maybe it's just I didn't watch enough film or the right games. Uh, I was not expecting Chase Winovich to test out as and look that good as an athlete. You know, I watched obviously Michigan, a lot of big games, and I, and I watched him play it, you know, in those games. And, I, you know, he was obviously one of the big names on defense with Rashawn Gary. I thought he I thought his combine looked better than what I was expecting. Yeah, I mean, one of the, one of the you know, I'm looking through my notes, and they're, they're all pre-combine. Um, and and I, you're going to see this even more with the linebackers, where I got some people wrong. But, you know, the first thing I said is not explosive, um, not bendy. Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't expect what he put up. I mean, it's it's one of those ones where, and I haven't done him, is that I need to go back to the tape and reevaluate what I saw. Because it, as unbiased as we want to be, I think anytime we go in with preconceived notions and, and, and bias confirmation happening. So I, I want to challenge everything I know and go back and watch him again. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And I, I completely agree. Any, anybody that I left off on the edge that you really wanted to uh, share a thought or should I sw- move this to the linebackers? No, let's go to the linebackers. All right. So besides, if we're doing a fantasy spin, everybody wants to hear about the linebackers, even the, the terrible seventh round ones. Absolutely. So we talked about him a little bit when you were comparing guys. So he ran with the linebacker group. So why don't we just start there? Josh Allen, you know, he ran with the linebacker group because I guess they think he can be more of a traditional linebacker. I mean, I know his, you know, his cover skills are are okay. I mean, he's decent in coverage, I think. So still start there. Josh Allen, his combine performance, him, you know, film eval on him. What's your take on Josh Allen? Yeah, so I expected Josh Allen to be the the mix that Brian Burns kind of was, um, at least from a combine point of view. I, I expected him to be a little slower than polite, um, but faster than Burns. I expected him to have some of the most, you know, pound for pound athleticism at the edge. He still had a pretty nice combine, but you know, they were just hotter combines that kind of you know put that put that to shame. He does have little baby hands that I thought that was that was interesting from a measuring point of view. Um, but I think he's an edge. He's an edge all day. I mean, he could drop back in coverage, but you know, somebody like Pittsburgh, um, he would be a uh, huge upgrade on like a Bud Dupree. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think he's locked in probably in those first six picks. I can't see a scenario where he gets out of the first six picks in the draft. You know, even if a couple quarterbacks get pushed up, uh, I, I can't see a scenario where he's not off the board by the sixth or seventh pick at the absolute latest. And he could go as even as high as two or three. You know, if the Cardinals didn't take a quarterback, I think it's possible. So why don't we take this to the off the ball linebackers? And I know we had a lot of discussion and rightfully so because they were the two most impressive performances and it was like they were out there trying to outdo each other and those are the two Devons. So we got, you know, Devin Bush out of Michigan, Devin White out of LSU. I know on Twitter you had mentioned that you were slightly, I think, like Devin Bush on film a little bit more. So why don't you just kind of talk us through both of these guys? Both their combines were really great in terms of their athletic testing. They both looked great in drills. So you could talk about the combine with these guys. You could talk about them as, as players in its own right. Yeah. So I, I did like Devin Bush a little more on film. I expected Devin White to be, you know, soundly more athletic. And that's not what we saw. We saw Bush was uh, right there with him with his athleticism. So that kind of sold me that I actually think Bush is maybe slightly safer and I would be more comfortable taking Bush ahead of White. Um, I think his ability to, you know, read the pulling guard, the ability to read lanes, uh, when he goes in with the right mindset and a plan, he can stack and shed. Those short arms kind of sometimes show up when he gets, you know, eaten up by a block. But I think it's more a fundamental of him him not having a plan. It's kind of, do you remember watching Raquan McMillan in school? Mm -hmm. Like sometimes he was almost too enthralled with just hitting the block as hard as he could. Like instead of, you know, consciously going in is I'm going to hold this guy off and shuck him to one side or the other so I can make this tackle. Um, Bush sometimes over pursued, but I think white um, is, is maybe, you know, he over pursued more. It was obvious. He didn't know when to like spill or squeeze the block He'd vacate when he was the vice and go to force. I mean, I just saw lots of mistakes in Devin White's game. Um, and the other thing that I think people aren't talking about, or, or at least I haven't heard it a ton, is everyone's like, oh, I really like Devin Bush, but his size is a concern. Well, Devin White only measured in at six foot and a 32 inch um, arm length and a 75 inch wingspan. Devin Bush is 5'11 with actually a bigger wingspan, but little shorter arms. Um, so if your reason to put white ahead of Bush is is size or frame, uh, I don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think you, I think you make some good points there. You know, and, and they're, that size and frame talk, you know, because I had somebody, you know, correct me, <laughs> you know, on Twitter as I was sending, you know, my hundreds and hundreds of tweets because I had in my notes there – listed collegiate weights and heights. And I hadn't really checked in on the day before, you know, with so much going on, I hadn't checked in at what their actual measurements were. And I think some of that narrative probably came from the fact that I think in terms of what their colleges listed them at, it looked like there was more of a size discrepancy. Yeah. You know, like I was I, listed at six, two. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a massive difference. So if you're saying five eleven to six, two, and then you want to say somebody's, you know, size checks out better. Well, five eleven to six, two, I can get that five eleven to six. Oh, you know, we're talking, you know, we're talking nothing. We're talking, you know, very minimally. So I think that narrative was probably more 
a part of what their listed weights, uh, what their listed measurements were for college. And now the combine kind of, you know, said, okay, this is the truth. You know, they're, they're much closer size frame. So that really shouldn't be something used in any distinction between the two players. Now, these two guys are great prospects. Last year, you weren't, you weren't around, you know, on the, you didn't come on the pod. So I didn't get your take on where do these guys stack up with like Roquan Smith last year? Like, do you think they are on that caliber of a player? You know, Roquan Smith, I forget off the top of my head. He went in what the top 10, top 12, you know, the NFL draft, you know, like, do you believe these guys weren't the same as what Roquan Smith went in last year? Do you think they're that kind of caliber prospect? Another young guy, Deion Jones, who's more of a day two pick, who's been fantastic at the NFL level. Like, do you think these guys are like those type, you know, they have that kind of upside, like a Roquan Smith, like a Deion Jones? So I think Roquan had better film. I think he had more consistent film than both of these guys. So I think he was a, a safer spot prospect from that point of view. I think Deion Jones was, uh, I actually think Deion Jones is probably a worse prospect than White and Bush. He, he, he was more inconsistent tackling on film. He seemed to me all, actually he, uh, you know, aside from the school thing, I mean, he, him and Devin White, that's actually a, a pretty good comp because uh, Deion Jones had some tackling problems. Devin White tackles high. I, I see some of the thing, same things. And Deion Jones turned into a, a you know an, an amazing NFL linebacker. So probably Devin White will as well. I just think Bush is a hair safer. And with his athletic testing, um, that really alleviates some of my concerns with Bush. Yeah, and listen, all signs, especially after their combine performances, I think both of those guys are going in round one. I'd be surprised, you know, selfishly i'd love one to fall to the top of the second round and the giants take one but i don't think that is going to happen anymore after what we saw uh you know at the combine so let me open it up to you because those are the those are the three guys that obviously most well known who are some other guys whether it was the combine whether it was on film that you really want to talk about that you know you think are intriguing prospects all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you you know super speed here, and then you pick out the couple guys sure. you want to talk about. Um, so Joe Giles Harris was a big drop. Um, I actually comped him to Denzel Perryman, and he actually tested a lot like Denzel Perryman, but he's super stiff, um, and he actually is not as big as I hoped, and he's a he's a big faller. Um, ben Burkirvan did test well. Um, but man, on film, he just reacts so dang slow. It's like, he's just chilling, hanging out, chopping his feet, waiting for the thing to happen. Um, he ended up with a good PFF grade, but I, I am not sold on Ben Burkirvan, but there's a lot of hope, uh, and a lot of people are excited about him. And so Bobby Ogriki, oh, oh, help me with this pronunciation. Oh, yeah, I think it's Ogriki. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I struggle with his name anyway. Um, He's pretty good in man, but he's lethargic in zones. Same kind of thing. He had good testing, but I'm not not completely sold. Um, the guys that stood out to me, uh, first one was Jermaine Pratt. And I actually was the, one of the few people that had Pratt over Joe Giles Harris because I thought Pratt was a, a better tackler um, and he was more athletic. And he kind of proved that at the combine. Um, he has a lot of things that he needs to clean up, um, but I think he's flashed everything that we need to see. Um, two other guys that, that really stood out were Ty Summers and then uh, Cashman. Uh, both of those guys had outstanding ca- combines. There's a lot of hype on Cashman right now. 
Um, he is extremely disciplined, but if you had size concerns about, about Bush, then you better have them about Cashman because Cashman has about, I don't know, like half the wingspan that Bush does. So, and it shows up on films, his ability to tackle outside his frame is really, really poor. Um, but he's very athletic. He can, he can run with guys. I love his instincts. He's extremely disciplined. So Cashman is a huge, huge riser. And I think Ty Summers is the, the hype hasn't caught up to Summers yet. But I actually like Summers more on film. He's got that that Eric Kendricks kind of hair on fire feel to him. So I'm I'm really liking him. I know there's a few guys I haven't covered that that you talked about on the the instant reaction, but there's there's a whole bunch at you. Yeah, I mean, listen, I like of the guys you just mentioned. I think I'm most intrigued with Pratt. I think you know the former safety conversion. I think that adds to you know some coverage ability. You know. In the NFL today, there's so much about speed and so much about being able to cover running backs and tight ends are so much more a bigger part of the pass offense. So a guy that has a background as a safety making the conversion to linebacker, I mean, I know we talked about him a little bit on Twitter. And, you know, for me, like, I think you told me that a lot of people seem to be down on him. And I was surprised with that because, like, again, so much of my focus is really, you know, hearing what's out there on the offensive guys that like, I thought he was like, Oh, round three, round four. This must be where Pratt, you know, is being talked about. People must like him. And then from talking to you, you're like, no, not really. Like he, he doesn't, he wasn't really getting that type of, you know, recognition. So I thought he looked really good. I thought he looked really good in the drills. I was impressed with what I saw from him a lot. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I'm excited about Pratt. And like I said, those are some of the guys that are rising for me, Pratt, Cashman, and Summers. They're three guys, especially from an IDP point of view, if you're going to stay away from the bushes. Um, I think we, you know, Mac Wilson's uh, exciting, but I still have concerns about him, and we'll see what happens at his pro day. But those are three guys that uh, I'm probably going to own in lots of IDP drafts. Yeah, and those are those guys that are probably, you know, they won't go that early, and they'll be guys that you can kind of wait on, and and they'll be great value. So a couple names. You just mentioned Mac Wilson. We didn't see anything about him this week, you know, because he didn't do anything at the Combine. And then there was two other guys. DeAndre Walker out of Georgia ended up running with the line, well, was classified in the linebacker group. I think some people might say he's more of an edge. And then also Christian Miller. Any thoughts on those guys? Because, you know, they really weren't discussed much because they didn't do much. I think Christian Miller did some of the on-field drills, if I remember correctly. Uh, any thoughts about those guys? Like, Because it sounds like those guys are, are very much being discussed as early round two prospects. Do you, is there one out of those that you like a little bit more? Do you think the early round two talk is over the top for any of those guys and it's more their program kind of pushing the narrative a little bit on those guys? Or do you think they weren't that? I, I mean, I think we need to figure out what Christian Miller is. And that's that's another one that I really need to go back to the tape on. I mean, he put up some really impressive numbers for a pretty high weight. Um, it kind of comes back to how is he going to be used? Is he is he an edge? Is he a off ball or is it a three, four, you know, outside backer? Or is he like a Sam maybe and like a four, three? I, I don't know. So I, I need to go back and try to place him. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Where, where are you with him? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm. Again, my biggest question, and that's why I really wanted to kind of see him do everything, is I'm not sure where his most natural position is. Like, you know, like I don't think he's a, a 
off the ball linebacker. Like I, I would, I, I think that would be wasting his skill set. So I think he is more of that three, four outside linebacker, but then I'm wondering like, okay, like in a four, three scheme or like when he's not going after the quarterback, like, I don't know if I want him in situations where, you know, he's dropping in the coverage too much. So like, it's Alabama. Those guys always seem to get pushed up a little bit. You know, he didn't look, he looked like he was good athletically, but I didn't see, you know, like great fluidness in his movements when he was doing the on-field drills to lead me to believe he could be a guy that can do much in coverage. So that's my concern about Miller, you know, in terms of the fit that he might have at the next level. So, yeah, he, he actually kind of reminds me of Yannick Ngankwe. Um, okay. And and well, I'm saying this because I actually thought of Ngonkwe as an off-ball linebacker, and I was like, I think that's his best spot. And then you know the Jags basically said, No, you're completely wrong. We're going to use him as his edge, <laughs> and he's going to do a really good job at it. So um, the play style isn't exactly the same, but from like a fit point of view, it it kind of reminds me of that discussion that I had with myself. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that a hundred percent. Uh, one final linebacker before we, you know, push it back to the, the secondary is, you know, I know one guy we were talking about is what is the allure? And I know you're not going to, you don't agree with the allure, but what is it about? Are we just all looking for that diamond in the rough? Why does it feel like Terrell Hanks out of New Mexico State has been the guy that NFL Network and other people have just gravitated towards like, desperately trying to create another Darius Leonard and his first 40 was a four nine nine. I don't know if he was injured and shut it down after that. That was what they said. Is it, it's possible. I think similar to polite where, you know, they were talking a lot about these guys all had access to their phones this year when they went to the sidelines. And they, I guess they said that was different than years past. So, it's possible he went to his phone and his agent said, shut it down. You know, you had enough momentum, you know, coming from the senior bowl that you don't want to go out there and run those times. I just, I don't get where I think he is a solid prospect, but people pushing him up the board to think that he is a top 100 guy. I'm just not seeing it. Right. And I I think you're in agreement with that. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Agree that he's not a top 100 prospect. I mean, the dude's yoked. I mean, we saw that at the Senior Bowl. He looks good getting off the bus. Uh, yeah, I think that's we. I think we're just hoping for a deep linebacker. He's from he's from a small school. Uh, I think that's the that's the allure. His actually his his vert and broad were reasonable, but on film, man, I'm just not sold. I mean, that guy, like his reads are really bad. I mean, there's times it's play action. And he's still just creeping forward like the running back's got the ball or something. And it's very obvious that that the quarterback still has the ball. This is a pass play. (laughs) You have zone responsibility. You should be in your back pedal. And I have no idea what you're doing right now. Um, So I'm not a big fan of his. I mean, if you want want a really small small school guy that I thought performed better at the Senior Bowl, that's B.J. Blunt to me. And I'm so excited. Like, I have March 21st circled on my calendar baby for his pro day because i love watching that kid play awesome awesome yeah he was a guy that he was a guy that you know definitely uh garnered some attention from the senior bowl so looking forward to seeing uh how he tests that day so let's take this to the secondary let's start with the cornerbacks can i feel like there is usual consensus at least in terms of the secondary for the top guys 
but I'm not sure that there is this year. Can you clarify maybe what you're thinking at the top of the cornerback board? Is it Greedy Williams? Is it DeAndre Baker? Is it Byron Murphy? Is it, you know, is Trayvon Mullen in the in the conversation up there or anybody else? What what do you think about this second the the cornerback group and of these guys? What did you think about their a combine performances or maybe just being, you know, a little bit more generic, you know, what do you think about their games? Yeah. So I, I, my opinion right now is greedy Williams is probably the first corner off the board. Um, the reason I say this and I'm stealing this from uh, Trevor Sycama is, uh, you know, he has questionable tape and, but the, the one way to fix questionable tape is run fast and measure long. And, and that's what greedy did at the combine where I really can't say the same thing for almost anybody else, at least the people that had reasonable film. So I think Greedy is the de facto number one. I don't love it. I think Byron Murphy has some better film, but unless you're looking for a zone corner, um, I think he's very, very scheme specific. So um, anyway, that's my opinion on those two right there. I think Awarie had a, had a reasonable combine. He may have put himself in the conversation versus Byron Murphy, uh, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things that, you know, there was some character or work ethic stuff with DeAndre Baker that's kind of came out. Then he ran a four or five three, you know, so I, I think Baker might be a guy that, you know, I know, I know he's Daniel Jeremiah's number one corner, or that's what he said on the, the, the telecast. So he's another guy that's kind of in the mix there. And then there's a, a guy who I think has been generating a lot of buzz. And I mean, I love his toughness and physicality is Rocky sin out of temple. I think is a guy who maybe has pushed himself into be that late round one to, you know, mid round two pick. Uh, obviously he was one of the only guys that was able to cover or at least stay somewhat near Debo Samuel at the senior bowl. Uh, looked good on the drills, his athletic testing, I don't have it in front of me. I mean, I know his 40 time was a four, five, two. Uh, he seems to be one of those guys, you know, that is generating a little bit buzz out there. Is you send someone that you, you like his game. You think he deserves to maybe be a guy who goes off the board early round two, or is there some holes there? I mean, he, he's, he's made a case, you know, low four fives, close to a 40 inch jump. You know, he, he got the big broad. I, I think there's something to be said there. Yeah. He's got a nice, he's a nice tackler. Um, I think he's definitely moved up the board and, and made a strong case for it. I'm, I'm a little worried the hype's getting a little out of control because I think overall this corner class is, is okay. Yeah. I think okay is the word to describe. I know, Again, as someone who follows the Giants very closely, I know I've been interested when people have mentioned Sam Beal and where he would kind of fit into this draft class if he didn't come out in the supplementary draft. And listen, I, I Dave Gettleman, I have my issues with Dave Gettleman a lot as a Giants fan, but I, I kind of think with this draft class, Sam Beal probably would have been a, a second or third round pick. So I don't think the Giants using that supplementary pick on him is something really to knock the Giants on. They need a corner. He probably would have been more of a, you know, at worst, a third round pick. 
especially with this, you know, lack of really great players uh, at the cornerback position. So it's one of those years. It's just kind of an average year. I mean, is there anybody else that, you know, that you kind of want to touch upon? I can throw a couple names out there. If there's anyone that piques your interest, I know Corey Ballantyne, the, the small school kid out of Washburn, is, it has some fans since the senior bowl and then his performance at the combine. You got the Johnson guys there, uh, uh, Lonnie Johnson out of Kentucky, Isaiah Johnson out of Houston, Justin Lane out of Michigan State. I thought it looked really uh, smooth in the drills the other day. Uh, I mentioned Trayvon Mullen before. Anybody from that group that you know that you kind of want to share a thought on or, or about, or that you kind of has you intrigued? So the short answer is no, and and this is where my bias comes out is that I I do you know as much as I like being a scout, uh, you know I play a lot of fantasy, so I don't focus a lot on the cornerbacks. I enjoy watching the first, you know the the top five, the top six. The other thing is it's really tough for us. Um, without all 22, man, watching cornerbacks is super hard. Um, so yeah, I haven't watched a lot of these deeper guys. Yeah, and I mean, and even one other guy who was getting a lot of buzz was Joan Williams out of Vanderbilt. And, you know, 465 and 469, I mean, that's yeah. gonna that's gonna raise some concerns. Uh, you know, long speed was definitely not one of his calling cards and his strength, but you know, I don't know if the momentum that he was pushing to be maybe a early day two guy could come to a screeching halt with those numbers. So that's going to be interesting to kind of follow that over the rest of the pre-draft process. So let's take this to let's keep let's take this to the safeties. You know those guys more impactful in terms of the fantasy element. Uh, right at the top, you know Jonathan Abram, Nasir Adderley. Those are I think two of the guys who are who are generating a lot of buzz at the safety position. Uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, any of those guys that, and Taylor Rapp, I think those are probably the four uh, in terms of, you know, just name, name brand. Any of those guys you prefer over the others is any, any thoughts on them? Obviously, Adderley, we didn't see anything at the combine, uh, but we saw a little bit from the other guys. Yeah. So um, I like Adderley, you know, he's a converted corner. Uh, he's got lots of range. I mean, honestly, before this combine and we didn't get a ton of information, but Nasir Adderley, Deontay Thompson and Chauncey Gardner Johnson were kind of in a, in a pack together as well, you know, roll them and shake them out. And I think they all kind of are all versatile corners. Uh, they could play single high, they could play in the box, they could play cover two. Um, they're just versatile safeties that are athletic and, and pretty reasonable tacklers. Um, Chauncey Gardner, Gardner Johnson's was the only one that we really saw at the combine. And he did exactly what we, you know, kind of wanted to see that he was almost 5'11", 210 pounds, put up, you know, sub four, five, uh, 40, and then nice jumps. So I, and I would expect the same from, from Adderley and, and, and Thompson as well. So I think, I think those three are really close. Yeah, and I mean, one guy you didn't mention right there is I, I could see him being one of the top guys that people are talking about in terms of their IDP, you know, rookie drafts is what's your take on Jonathan Abram out of Mississippi State? He seems like that guy that is going to be more playing forward, more of a guy that's going to help out and run support. Maybe he can put up a lot of tackles, you know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a couple of years ago, you were a big fan, right, of uh, Kenu Neal? Yeah, I liked Keanu Neal and the, and the difference, I mean, Keanu Neal was, wasn't like a first round pick until like right before the draft. Like he was kind of a late riser. Um, 
Do you think? Uh, let me, and I'll go right back to you. Do you think yeah. Abram is mo- yeah. is in the mold of a guy like that, or in oh, the mold I, of a Landon Collins, or a different so, player? Uh, I mean, probably more the Keanu O'Neill mold. I mean, Keanu O'Neill, we were worried about that he was just going to get penalties, and Abram got kicked out of his own spring game for hitting people, <laughs> you know, too hard. I mean, it's just yeah. So he's just that kind of player. So from from a raw football point of view, I do not see first round value. From an IDP point of view, yeah, he he feels good because he's definitely a box safety all day, every day. Yeah, I mean that make that makes a lot of sense. So he's going to be one of those guys that you know IDP guys really should uh, you know make note of. Any other safeties that that you kind of wanted to talk about, whether it was their combine performance, whether it was just their general you know tape that you watched of these guys, you know, yeah. unfortunately, the NFL Network did a horrific job of the back end of that telecast and literally did not allow us to watch any of the safety drills. Like literally, we saw the first drill for the safeties, and then they cut the coverage off. You know, did the run the rich thing, which is great. I just I. I it blows my mind that they just can't make the coverage go an extra hour. So we can see after broadcasting so many hours worth of the combine every year, this happens with the safeties. They don't let us see anything with the safeties in terms of their on the field drills. So it's it's more of their athletic profiles. If you looked it up or just watching these guys on film. Yeah. So the, the combine was kind of a mess from that point of view, especially the laser timer too. Like I forget who it was, but it's somebody that should have ran like a four, four ran like, five three eight or something dumb like there was just nonsense going on so (laughs) um so i I think two risers from this and two people that i was excited about so i try to figure out who are the boxy kind of safeties that i can target later for for fantasy type things um first one's amani hooker amani hooker my biggest concern was him was athleticism because he's able to really stack and shed blocks he plays strong he looked thick um, really, really high football IQ. He knew where to be. Um, I really liked Amani Hooker out of Iowa, and then he went to the combine and and just really put up nice numbers. You know, four four eight, big thirty seven inch vert. You know, two hundred ten pounds. Uh, really nice three cone drill. I mean, everything that we wanted to see. Um, Darnell Savage is kind of in the same mold for me. Um, he could be a cover two safety, but he could easily be a box safety as well. Um, very nice tackler, uh, play strong in the box. He played really good coverage in that short, like hook curl kind of area, but he was a little dicey in man, um, but had a really nice combine as well down in the four threes, big, close to 40 inch vert. So those are two kind of, uh, more boxy guys that had really nice combines. Yeah, absolutely. And then another guy who we'll just mention, I don't know if he's as much of the box type guy. I think he's more of a free safety, but who tested out as an elite athlete was obviously Juan Thornhill out of Virginia. Yeah. Uh, good cover skills, former cornerback. So I think he's not that guy that, you know, might be a guy that goes in the top 100, but might not be the guy that translates necessarily to, you know, your fantasy IDP leagues because he might just be too far away from the ball. But I mean, that type of athleticism is is intriguing nonetheless. Yeah, I, I think you could see Thornhill in the second round. I mean, the, the, the NFL really values single high free safeties because that's a rare skill set to have the ball skills, the instincts and the speed to be able to cover you know, the Earl Thomas type, if you will, that's really hard to find. So I bet, I bet, you know, Thornhill moves up. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Any other safeties that pique your interest that you want to talk about or want to wrap it up? 
Um, I guess I'll just hit a, a few. Um, Malik Gant didn't test uh, great, but I'm a huge fan of his. I mean, he is just slippery. He gets off blocks really well. He has lots of really, you know, lots of quick reads. Um, he talks a lot of smack, which is really great too. I really like, I think that's really good. I was worried that he was going to be limited speed wise. And he kind of showed that he really was. Um, but that's one guy that I, that I like a good bit. Um, Sheldrick Redwine is another guy that tested. Okay. That, that I really, I mean, I like from a, a film point of view. Um, and then you mentioned Taylor Rapp. I think Taylor Rapp, you know, is a, is a nice kind of more box type safety. Um, but the, the weird thing is, is the, the free agent safety class is like bursting with talent. So if I was an NFL team, go sign somebody, don't, don't spend a high draft pick on any of these guys. Yeah. And listen, those guys, and, and the, the crazy thing is we saw last year that safeties weren't really getting paid in free agency. So like there's this massive, you know, list of quality to high quality or great safeties available in free agency that you're going to be able to, you know, listen, some of them are going to get paid, but some of them are going to get, you know, probably not paid what they wanted, but teams are going to get really good deals and values on those guys. So like you're saying, I think some of these safeties could just get pushed down the board a little bit further, you know, because of how much safety, how many safeties are out there in free agency, which kind of comes back to what you were saying about Juan Thornhill, because going into the combine, I had next to his name three, four on that border. But like you said, that athletic testing, the, what he brings in terms of what NFL teams are looking for, there's no way he goes probably on, you know, on day three anymore. He's going probably round two or round three at the absolute worst. And even the guy you mentioned, uh, uh, where was he? You mentioned uh, Sheldrick Redwine. He's another guy, former cornerback, who's got you know some ball skills, got some versatility to his game. He's a guy who I have written down early day three, tested out really well at the combine. Wouldn't be surprised to see him get pushed up. So a little bit, a little bit of those guys that have that versatility that teams are looking for might be the guys that go. And if they're more of a traditional, you know, in the box safety or more traditional list, don't have that versatility, they could see them fall a little bit, uh, you know, on draft weekend based on, you know, the, the depth that the free agency class is providing. So Eric, this was fantastic. Absolutely loved uh, breaking down and talking these defensive prospects. Uh, with you any parting shots closing thoughts uh from you uh this has been fun man i just um i'm reared up to get some pro day numbers and i'm more excited to see the draft and see the fits and get excited how these guys are going to be used so this is this has been a ball paul i appreciate it man absolutely and we definitely uh look forward to uh getting you back on the podcast you know whether it's before the nfl draft to kind of give some you know idp pre-draft rankings whether it's before and after or just before just after whatever kind of fits your schedule uh we'd obviously love uh to have you back anytime you want uh it's always great talking to you and uh you know i know matt wishes he would have been around tonight uh to talk with you as well uh so hopefully next time uh, matt's around as well so we could all uh uh, you know, talk it up. Yeah, definitely. Matt's Matt's. I know we chat in Voxer some, and he, that dude's getting way too heady for me. I think he's he's got way <laughs> too many IQ points on me. Yeah, listen, he's 
next door to me every day uh, at work. And uh, he, he comes in and, you know, like I need him to like, you know, when he leaves me voxes, it's better than talking face to face sometimes because I at least listen to the voxes like four times to kind of say, OK, this is what this is what's going on here. I need to I need to like hit the repeat button to uh, to definitely know what's going on there. But, you know, he's pushing the envelope in evals. And uh, it's always fun to see that to try to, uh, you know, learn from others and, uh, you know, just uh, craft our skills. So with that said, thank you again so much, Eric, for joining us. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you for to David Nakano, our sound and tech engineer. Uh, thank you guys. If you are enjoying the coverage that we have been providing for you, please get over to the website. The quickest way now to get there is s2sfootball.com. You can still type it out as well. That will bring you to the website. You can, And if you want to support the show, please click on the premium t- content tab. Purchase the premium notebooks. You get all four notebooks for $9.99. You get the scouting notebook, which has over 100 player profiles. You get the draft uh, rankings notebook, which has all our rankings, draft, uh, dynasty rookie, tiers. You get the freshman notebook, late March, early April, with scouting profiles on many of the top incoming freshmen. And then you get the draft projections notebook in April, which has a tab for every single position, offense and defense, their, their measurements, some traits about the player in order of how I projected to go on NFL draft night. And then a tab for my projections for the first 32 picks, the top 100 picks, and then every pick in the NFL draft. It is the best way to support the show and help us grow and continue to do what we're doing. If you can't do that, please get over to whatever podcast app you're using, rate, review, and subscribe. So on behalf of Eric, on behalf of David, Matt, and myself, Thank you for joining us, and we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.